It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a sports rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Older than one. Yeah, well, you're half right. This is amateur. This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our final time. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it. I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Here we go. Time to go home on a Tuesday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy, our producer. We've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Coming up this hour, we'll have a visit with Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com, one of our, oh, not one of our favorite guests. Let me back that up. He is our favorite guest, and he is coming your way about 15 minutes from now. Also, uh, we'll wrap things up at 6 o'clock, turn it over to the Mastodon's Coaches Show, which is coming your way live from the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne tonight. The Mastodon Grill is the place to be. So, you know, maybe you're getting out of work, you're thinking, eh, I could use a drink or maybe I could use a bite to eat. Uh, stop on by, totally open to the public. All you've got to do is come in the main entrance to the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, right across from the Coliseum, and look for the Mastodon Grill. You can sit back there and enjoy the show. With men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano, and even Mastodon Sports Properties General Manager Tyler Baker. And I'll be there hosting. So stop on by. Yeah. Check it out. It's a fun little place to be, good food, and a great place to stop for a drink. I did not know that the, this this hotel had this full restaurant. And a good casual atmosphere. Got a bar where quite a few of the hotel guests kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. So uh, swing on by, see us here, there tonight, 6 o'clock for the Mastodon's Coaches Show. And then, boy, what a parade of coaches we have. We have Matt Painter's show at 7.05, Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson at 8.05. We've got it covered tonight right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. All right, so, you know, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Haven't done it yet. Have not. Got to do it sometime. Basically now. Might as well do it now, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go ahead and play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Caller number two. Caller number two at uh, 447-8500. That's 260-447-8500. Caller number two. You'll have the chance to play. And just for calling in and being today's contestant, we're going to fix you up with a large pizza to Pizza Hut. Yesterday, Pacers took on the Bucks. It looked so good for three quarters, and then the Bucks just blew the doors off the Pacers in the fourth quarter. And despite uh, a 29-point output from T.J. McConnell off the bench, he hit 11 of 16 shots, including hitting all four of his three-pointers. He had 29 points, nine assists. He was fantastic for the Pacers off the bench, especially uh, with the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. But it was uh, in a losing effort. Pacers lose by 13, 132 to 119, the final at Milwaukee. Boy, it starts a tough week for the Pacers. 
They've got uh, OKC down in Oklahoma City tomorrow taking on the Thunder. And uh, OKC's been playing pretty good basketball. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he's starting to become a star. He's kind of becoming uh, Tyrese Halliburton of Oklahoma City. And then you've got uh, Denver and Nikola Jokic coming up on Friday. And then the road trip continues back-to-back. They have Phoenix then on Saturday. So a tough week for the Indiana Pacers. Hey, here's something else to think about real quick, and we'll get to Tuesday Timecast Trivia here in just a second. We've got a contestant holding on. Uh, LeBron James had 48 last night for the Lakers in their win over Houston. Well, that kind of helps if you're a Pacers fan (laughs) and if you're uh, counting down to that February 2nd game where the Lakers will be at Indiana at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Because if LeBron averages 35.6 points per game next eight, now that's that's a high number, but he scored 48 last night. And believe me, LeBron's looking at the schedule, and the game before the Pacers game is at Madison Square Garden. And if he's going to break the all-time NBA scoring record, currently held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for a guy that has an appreciation of the history of the game, Don't tell me that LeBron has not got that game circled against the Knicks at MSG. Now, what will happen is if you can't get it done there, maybe it happens the next night or the next game against the Pacers. So history could be made. LeBron could become the NBA's all-time scoring champ in Indianapolis coming up on February 2nd. All right, so let's get to the phone line. Let's find out who we've got to play today's edition of Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Who's this? Jason Carpenter. Hey, Jason, how's your Tuesday going? Not too bad, thank you. Well, it will go even better if you can win this edition of Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Do you know how we play? I'm not sure, but I'm sure I can learn quick. Uh, You absolutely can learn quick. What happens is Adam has compiled five events, and they all happen in the same calendar year. But he's going to give them to us one at a time. We've got to come up with what year these events happened. And we'll alternate guesses. We'll see. We'll get you. We'll guide you through. But that's the whole idea of the contest is find, give us what year you think this particular sports event happened. Adam, let's get us started. It's time for Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush. All right, let's get it started here. Clue number one. The inaugural season of the Eagle Pro Box Lacrosse League, later the National Lacrosse League, took place in this season, in this year. Okay, uh, and I, I forgot his first name. Carpenter. Jason. Jason. Okay, Jason. Your option here, you can go first or you can pass it to me to take a stab at this. I'll definitely pass it. <laughs> I will, uh... I have no idea on lacrosse. I'll just throw out 1997. Now it's your guess. My guess now is uh, 2004. All right, let's go on to clue number two. I hope it helps. Arena football has its demonstration season, its first season played with four teams in this year. Arena football. And you're first, Jason. All right, I will guess 2007. I will go with, uh, you know, I'm going to go right on back to 2000. All right, we're going to go on to clue number three here. 
The SMU football team had its season canceled this year in what was later called the NCAA's death penalty punishment. Um, I will say, and it's my turn first, I will say 1995. I will guess 1998. All right, let's go on to uh, clue number four here. This one is a little bit easier, I think. Um, in the World Series of this year, the Twins won four games to three over the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Okay, this is you first, Jason. All right, we go uh, 2003. Um, I will say 2001. Okay, we're All down right. to this is our final chance at it, Jason. Hopefully, the ones. Right. Hopefully, you can get it this time, guys. The in the NCAA men's basketball championship, Indiana won seventy four to seventy three over Syracuse. I know that one. I get to go first. Yeah, I know that's a bummer. Might <laughs> not be because I'm having trouble with this one. I'm trying to remember. Eighty one. Uh, they won. I'm trying to remember what year it was when they beat Syracuse. Mike Davis. I already said 2001, so I guess 2002. It, uh, it has to be 1987. 87? It was you that got long it. ago? Yes, it was. So that was even before Mike Davis. Yeah, but hey, great job, Jason. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> of course, they didn't win the championship with Davis. Wow. Uh, they got beat by uh, Maryland, I believe. Maryland, yeah. Final yep. game. Yep. Man, I feel, I feel bad. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Jason. You are a winner. You get that large pizza to Pizza Hut. Stay on the line. Adam will get some information from you, and uh, we'll get you all fixed up with your pizza card to our friends from our friends at your uh, Fort Wayne area Pizza Hut restaurants. Uh, hey, you know what's going on right now, and it's a pretty special deal at Christopher James Menswear. It is the spring, uh, or actually the winter clearance, making room for spring merchandise. That's right now, Christopher James Menswear. In fact, the price cutter has been busy over the last few days. They've cut prices even more. Now 40 to 50% off for great suits, sport coats, pants, sportswear, shoes, and more. 40 to 50% off right now at Christopher James Menswear. Now, everybody should have that outfit they can put on that they feel special in, and you can get that right now at Christopher James Menswear because they've got this special winter inventory clearance that gives you an opportunity to dress like a million bucks without having to spend it. Uh, great brands, Canale, Meyer, Peter Millar, Johnny O, Magnani, and more. 40 to 50% off at Christopher James Menswear's winter sale. It's Christopher James Menswear, where style and service are always in fashion. That's coming to Plaza, West Jefferson at Getz. Welcome back to the Sports Rush from Daily Local Sports Fix 4 to 6. Brett Rupp with Adam Lundy. Don't forget, coming up at 6 o'clock, we go from the Sports Rush to the Mastodons Coaches Show. As Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodons men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano will join us live at the Holiday Inn, Purdue Fort Wayne, right across the Memorial Coliseum. Plan on being with us in person or tune in. And it's the start of a triple header of coaches shows tonight. Not only do we have the Mastodons coaches show six to seven, then we've got 
Matt Painter from 7.05 to 8. And Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson, 8.05 to 9 o'clock. So all of your college basketball fix right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Always our pleasure to welcome our favorite guest back to the program. He is from KentSterling.com. He's joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Kent Sterling. Kent, how are you today? I am great, Brett, and and my goodness, you just get better and better and better each week that I talk to you. It's it's an absolute privilege to be on your show. I just I just uh, don't want to get called out on one of your uh, media videos that you're putting out now. You know, I, I I started I analyzed a lot of my questions and I thought, okay, I've got to go with brevity. I've got to shorten up my questions. Uh, exactly. But uh, no, let's let's get to it. I got uh, two things to talk about. First of all, what the Colts are doing or not doing and what is it telling us? And uh, number two, of course, what's happening with Indiana basketball. Let's start with the Colts. Uh, There's a coaching search by multiple franchises, the Colts among them. We supposedly have the Colts putting together a profile of the type of coach they're looking for. But if you look at the diversity of who they're interviewing or have requested to interview, I have no clue what that profile really is. What do you believe the Colts are looking for? Well, there it appears that they're looking for a coordinator without head coaching experience. There's only uh, they're all coordinators. Everybody who's interviewed so far, and there are eleven of these guys, and minus Jeff Saturday, they are all coordinators. And the only one who has ever been a head coach is Raheem Morris, who is the head coach of the Buccaneers back about well, 13, 15 years ago. And, uh, and then he was the interim coach for the Falcons a couple of years ago. But other than that, these guys, any of them that's hired, Ben Johnson of the Lions, uh, Wink Martindale from the Giants, any of them would be first-time head coaches and current coordinators so it looks kind of like that's what they're looking for. And, and there is no mention. We know that Jim Harbaugh is going, or he's not leaving. I guess he's not going back to Michigan. He's just not leaving it. And then uh, you've got Sean Payton that it, it seems everybody else who's got an opening is going to interview, just not the Colts. And, and I think one of the reasons for that is that Frank Reich is still very expensive. He's a $9 million a year guy on the budget for the Colts. And I don't think that the Ursays want to spend another $20 million on a coach that they're not certain is going to win them a Super Bowl. You mentioned coordinators. Some are offensive. Some are defensive. Does it surprise you with the Colts maybe moving forward with a young quarterback that the focus isn't more heavily weighted on the offensive guys? You know, that's very interesting. I, I would guess that they're go- going to hire an offensive guy because it seems like the offensive guys are the ones who win Super Bowls. You know, whether it's Bruce Arians or whether it's Sean McVay or whoever it is, uh, they have an offensive football background. And so I would be surprised, except I heard, I, actually I read it in Zach Kiefer's piece on The Athletic, that Raheem Morris was really, really impressive in his interview, and the Colts liked him very much. But you've got really good guys like Ben Johnson, who we discussed a little bit. You've got uh, Mike Kafka. You've got Shane Steckin from the Eagles. 
you know, you, you've got some good young offensive minds, and, and a lot of people speak very highly of Ben Johnson. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts, you know, he's only 36. And, and the profile is, you, the past is always prolonged. And, and so you look at what the Colts have done in the past, and they've always hired kind of uh, a guy sort of in the same age range as Jim Ursay. You know, whether it was going back to, I guess Jim Moore is a little bit older. But then you've got Tony Dungy, you've got Jim Caldwell, you've got Chuck Pagano, and you've got Frank Reich. And, and they're pretty much, you know, kind of from a generational standpoint, cut of the same cloth. Um, a, a guy like Ben Johnson at the age of 36, that would be a real departure for the team. And I think it would be very, very interesting. I would like to see, and, and age doesn't bother me. But I'd kind of like to see what that looks like, a 36-year-old running things at uh, 56th Street. I'm just curious, Kent, if you've ever heard anything in the grapevine, rumors, any kind of buzz about Eric Bieniemy, because it seems like he interviews for every position that's open over yeah. the last three or four years, and no one hires him. What what makes him what what seems to be inhirable, unhirable? You know, I, I don't know. I've never heard him interviewed. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you another, I'll give you a sort of a parallel, and that's Jim Caldwell, who was the head coach of the Colts, who was the head coach of the Lions. Jim did and does a, a, just a terrible job of selling himself. You know, there are some guys who interview like champions and then coach like dogs. <laughs> and then there are other guys who can coach circles around everybody, but in an interview, like they're just not, not, charismatic enough to carry the room. And I think maybe Eric Bieniemy is that kind of guy. Um, I, I, he's interviewed, I think, for 16 different head coaching jobs and, and one with the same team twice. I think he, he's just wound up. I, and I, I think that's sort of the danger of, of a Rooney Rule type thing, is that you're going to have guys who go out, teams that go out, and they interview African-Americans because it's mandated that they interview African-Americans. And a guy like Eric Bieniemy is an obvious name that bubbles up because of his work with the Chiefs. And so he gets a lot of interviews, but he doesn't get a look from anybody as a head coach. And, and I, I wonder what kind of head coach he'd be. I think that would be fascinating. How aggressive should the Colts be in the draft to move off number four, try to move up? Well, somebody's going to move up. Somebody's either going to move up over them or both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to be taken. And those are the only quarterbacks in this draft that I really have any overt interest in. Uh, there's Will Levis. I, I don't much care for him. Uh, Richardson from Florida is really young. Hooker from Tennessee is old, and he's got a torn ACL. So the two guys that I like are Stroud and Young. And if you're going to take either of them, it's not likely to be at four because somebody's going to jump up, jump up and go get one of them. You know, somebody's going to leapfrog the Colts. Both of them are not going to fall to four. And so the Colts have got to figure out who they want and then move heaven and earth to, to get that person, whether it's Young, who's a little bit undersized, or Stroud, who's, who's, was so impressive against Georgia. I mean, he, I thought when I watched him play against Michigan, I thought, uh oh, you know, he drops out of the top five, and I, I don't need him as a quarterback for for the Colts. And then all of a sudden against Georgia, man, he looked like a guy that you could build a team around. 
And uh, so it, it wouldn't bother me at all if the Colts found a way to trade up and get C.J. Stroud. But what it's going to take to move from four to one and get that one from the Bears, it's going to take four. It's going to take the 35th overall pick, and it's likely to take a number one in 2024. And that is a stiff price to pay. Would you include Michael Pittman? I've heard his name thrown around. Would you? Uh, it just doesn't seem to make sense to draft a quarterback and then give up your top no. receiver. But would, if push came to shove, is it worth the exchange? No, no, and you're exactly right. And you know what? At its essence, football is a pretty easy game, and and I think you boiled it down really well. You know, Michael Pittman is a guy that a new quarterback can throw to, and he's going to be entering his uh, his fourth year. And he is kind of a, a baked guy. He's a, a guy you know what he is. You know he's kind of a possession receiver who you can count on for 80 to 100 catches and right around 1,000 yards. And those guys are of great value. What I would offer is Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore's got one year left on his contract, as does Pittman, by the way. Uh, but Kenny Moore's got one year left on his contract. He is a slot corner that Matt Eberflus's system requires, and Matt Eberflus is coming off a season that was uh, a huge disappointment, and he's got to get that defense moving in the right direction. I think Kenny Moore would be a step in the right direction. I think it would be good for Kenny. I think it would be good for the Bears, and it would be good for the Colts. What about Okareke? You know what? Here's the thing. I always go back to Bill Polian. And, Brett, I think that Bill Polian was about as smart, although a prickly personality, but a really, really smart general manager. Guys like Bobby O'Karake were always sent packing. Like at the, when they had Mike Peterson, they let Mike Peterson go via free agency. Mm-hmm. Then they had Cato June. Cato June went. Marcus Washington. Marcus Washington went. Those non-middle linebacker guys uh, Bill Pullian knew were sort of plug-and-play guys, and O'Karake got to play some middle this year. It's not going to be his spot when Shaquille Leonard comes back. And and as as the great Rick Venturi always says about linebackers, you know, somebody's got to tackle the guy. And I think O'Karake got a lot of those tackles. That Some for loss, which is great. That's making plays. But a lot of his 100-plus tackles were tackles that somebody had to make or the guy was going to score. You know what I mean? Somebody's got to tackle the ball carrier, and Bobby did a lot of that. Um, I went back to 2020, Okarike. Yeah, Okarike. I I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, let's let's talk IU basketball. Uh, Sure. Unbelievable how different this team could look in a matter of about a three-day period. Uh, couldn't defend anybody, especially at the arc against Penn State, and then comes back and just sh- plays shutdown defense against Wisconsin. Explain it to me, Kent. Uh, Penn State could shoot, and Wisconsin could not. Like Wisconsin, uh, I here's the the difficulty with basketball is that it's really really hard to tell whether your team's good or the other team sucks. And I think it was true; both were true. On, on Saturday. I think Indiana played really well. I think Trace Jackson Davis has a positive, uh, matchup for him. Uh, I think he was able to do what he's able to do against Wisconsin in a way that he's not able to against a lot of opponents 
and I think Illinois is going to be one of those come Thursday night. Um, but, you know, some, some days the basketball gods are with you, and some days they're against you, and I think they were against Wisconsin. They, they had some injury issues also, and Indiana just came out kind of hot, and, and it seemed like maybe Mike Woodson got in their ear a little bit and other, you know, body parts a little bit over the course of that, uh, that several days between the Penn State game and the Wisconsin game. Uh, but they, they came out with renewed focus and vigor, and at least compared to Wisconsin, that was a pretty darn good basketball team Saturday. Well, they've got to do it on the road, and they've seemed to have been able yeah. to, to pull these things together a couple of times this season when they've been in front of their home crowd. But now they've got to go on the road and try to sustain it. What are the keys to Indiana sustaining it on the road away from the friendly crowd at Simon Scott Assembly Hall? You know, I mean, this sounds like uh, sort of nonsensical analysis, but because it's so blatantly obvious, but they've got to play for 40 minutes, and they've got to play hard for 40 minutes, or Illinois is going to swamp them at some point. You saw what happened last night with Illinois playing Minnesota. Minnesota's got a lead early in the second half, and I think they wound up losing by 18 because Illinois just imposed their will. Even at the barn, they were able to up impose their will against the Golden Gophers, and and Illinois is starting to figure it out, and you thought they would. They started the Big Ten 0-3. They've won their last four, including a win against Michigan State. This is a, a team that's really coming together for Brad Underwood, and Indiana is still, I think, kind of this fragile group of guys that when things start going wrong, they really go wrong for them, and, and there's not kind of a resolve with this team to move, move beyond that and fight through it, they tend to wilt under pressure instead of attack that pressure, and, and that's not a good thing. And, and Mike Woodson's got to get that fixed one way or another. This has been, at least to this point, you know, two and four in the Big Ten is not what anybody expected. People are talking about Indiana winning the Big Ten. They have not looked like Big Ten champions. And, and Thursday night is a real opportunity for them to kind of rewrite that script, and we'll see if they're able to do it. I've questioned their toughness, Kent. I, I've yeah. called them soft because when they have faced adversity, they have wilted. You just mentioned it, and I think that's what they're going to face on Thursday. And I, I, I love these tests because you've got to be able to, to handle adversity. I've seen it with Purdue. I don't see it with Indiana. When the crowd gets into it, I'll tell you what, Indiana at Breslin Center yesterday would have lost by 20 because once that crowd got into yeah. it and the momentum was on Michigan State side and they were hitting shots, I don't think Indiana could have done anything to stop the bleeding. Purdue did. And now part of that is they can throw it into Zach Eady and he could just throw yeah. it in over people. But Indiana needs to find that silencer they need to find that assassin whether that's trace jackson davis or somebody else they got to find somebody that they can count on to stop those types of runs and they're going to face it i think against illinois you know there was that letter that we've all seen on social media from the uh, angry indiana fan who sent it to trace jackson davis and trace jackson davis put it on social media sending a letter like that is just ridiculous however the message contained within that letter was pretty darn accurate and a pretty stark depiction of what this team is and what it appears to be. 
And and one of the shames of Indiana basketball is that the the culture of IU basketball from 1971 to 2000 and a little bit beyond that was one of toughness. Like when Indiana went on the road and they would they ran into a gym from the locker room, it was kind of awesome. Like you watched IU run out of the locker room and you were like, "My god, these people mean business." You know, and and I haven't seen anything that looks even remotely similar to that. And these guys are competing a little bit with ghosts, and those ghosts have nested in our memories from a long time ago as we watched Indiana play. And and as we watched Purdue yesterday, we saw the same thing. We see toughness out of a kid like Braden Smith. We see a kid like Ethan Morton. Like, I don't know what Ethan Morton can do statistically on a basketball court that's valuable, but I don't think Matt Painter wants to play without him, you know, because that kid is tough as nails. You go back to a kid like Chris Kramer uh, from your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Chris Kramer was incredibly tough. Like, that's what, that's what Purdue is. And I don't know what Indiana basketball is. What that culture is, I don't know. I think it's a soft culture. I think it's a culture of celebrating victories before they're won, and and that is just not what Indiana basketball is supposed to be. And I think that that's the reason why when we look at it, we, we're just frustrated and stunned again and again and again and again because we know what those uniforms used to represent and what they should represent and what they don't anymore represent. Well, Indiana right now is Champagne and Purdue is Pabst Blue Ribbon. I mean, that's what you got between the two. Kent, always appreciate you. It's great to have you jump on with us. Have a terrific week. We look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. That is Kent Sterling. KentSterling.com. Be sure you follow what he has to write, has to say, what uh, he does in his videos. It is all right there at KentSterling.com. And make sure you give him a follow on social media. And subscribe to his YouTube channel, too. That's uh, that's where all the videos get posted. That is Kent Sterling joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Plenty more still to come as we roll through a Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. And, of course, you're always connected with us on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862, 46862. Uh, we are just minutes away. Top of the hour, we will be at the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, for the Mastodon's Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage. Just men's basketball coach John Kaufman will join us. Women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. Uh, both teams taking the road trip this week against the same opponents in reverse order on alternating days so keep track of that for the men it's going to be Wright state on thursday night for the women northern kentucky on friday night then the men take on northern kentucky on saturday while the women will take on Wright state on sunday that will all be on the road and we'll talk about what's ahead and what's the most recent past with the mastodons coaches on the mastodons coaches show presented by diamond residential mortgage coming up at the top of the hour, and that will actually lead off like three hours of college basketball coaches because we've got Matt Painter with the Matt Painter Show at 7.05 and at 8.05 inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, a lot's been made about the play-by-play announcers that we had 
over the weekend with the NFL games with the new schedule networks who primarily use their number one broadcasting tandem. They had some decisions to make. A couple of the networks had decisions to make as far as who to put in like NBC. They've only got one game every week, the Sunday night game, right? And so all year long, it's been Tarico and Collinsworth. But then all of a sudden, NBC gets two games back-to-back, and they can't put Tarico and Collinsworth on both of them. So they got somebody, find somebody who can jump in and take up one of the games. And boy, did the country react on social media to uh, Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. Now, I thought Tony Dungy was kind of a questionable choice to have his color. Because Al Michaels is not one of those rah-rah, play-by-play guys, very knowledgeable, does his prep well. Um, but uh, but you do need somebody that kind of carries the energy of the broadcast. And Tony Dungy coaches or announces just like he coached. Very monotone, very laid back, um, not, a, not a rah-rah guy. And he was never a coach like that either. And so I thought the mix maybe is what had people questioning the pairing. But uh, we're uh, ranking our one through six broadcast teams from the NFL playoffs over this weekend. The the wild wild card, the super wild card uh, round. And number one, I thought always terrific, Tariko and Collinsworth. They get my number one nod. Uh, number two, I put Buck Aikman, but oh, man, a lot of people really do not like Joe Buck. No, they don't. They think he's, uh, I don't know what's the word Is for Is there it. an arrogance about him? Yeah, maybe smarmy. Where he tries to be bigger than the moment or, I, I don't know. I don't get it. The guy knows his stuff. He's prepared. He sets up Aikman well. I, I feel like he's got the energy to match the moment. He knows when to be quiet. I I don't get it with Buck. I think it's just one of those popular opinions, right? It's it's how we've become as a country now. If everybody else seems to not like something, then we will not like it just because we want to be on the bandwagon. But I don't know. Joe, to me, Joe Buck is not that bad. I thought Buck and Aikman had a, had a good call of the game last night. Number three, I have Nance and Romo. I understand Romo kind of gets on some people, irritates him a little bit because he's kind of gabby. Um, but uh, Jim Nance, to me, is a real professional, handles his voice perfectly for the moment. And I, I thought Nance Romo were number three for me. I thought Burkhart Olsen covering the Giants win over Minnesota for uh, Fox. They're now the number one team for uh, Fox Sports, I I thought they were number four. I put Joe Davis and Daryl Johnston at number five. They covered San Francisco's win over Seattle. And yes, Al Michaels and Tony Dungy, I just thought it wasn't a great pairing. And so I have them at number six. But even though I don't think it was perfect, I don't think it was as bad as some people wanted to to make it out to be on social media I don't know if you uh, if you caught this, and I'm trying to think now who it even was that put it out there, um, because I'd like to give them credit for it. Uh, but there was a tweet that went out with um, corked bats. That's who it was. It was corked 
and that's K-O-R-K-E-D, Bats, B-A-T-S, on Twitter. And uh, they, uh, you know, the big moment of the Bengals-Ravens game was when uh, the Ravens tried to go with the quarterback sneak. Huntley reached for the goal line, had it knocked out of his hands. It was picked up, taken all the way for the return. And uh, these guys on Twitter decided to do the call as if they were Al Michaels and Tony Dungy calling the most dramatic play, the game-deciding play between the Bengals and the Ravens. And this is what they believe it would have sounded like. Third and goal for the one now. The they go for here. the sneak. Oh, the ball's fumbled. He's Being going. run back by Sam Hubbard. He's going. Look at him go. He could go all the way. I think he's going to score. Go all the way. And he does. That's a touchdown for the Bengals. <laughs> Holy moly. Holy moly. Wow. 98 yards. Really exciting play. <laughs> wow. Definitely changes things. Sounds like a golf call. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the Saturday Night Live skit? The Christmas skit? And uh, it was about the bakery. Mm-mm. That made Christmas balls that they offered. I, I don't even know if I can say it, but <laughs> there was a skit uh, where, what is it, Molly Shannon, is that her name? That, uh, is, oh, these are delicious. Just love the flavor. And she had that same kind of talk. But that that was kind of obviously a comical version, taking a jab at Al Michaels and Tony Dungy and their lack of energy for some of the big moments of the game um, and, uh, of course, they had the incredible comeback with Jacksonville. They had the most dramatic game of the week, but yet the call probably didn't match. And it was, you know, you have to be, you have to be uh, fair here. It was a late-night game for guys at their age. I can say <laughs> that. I'm not there yet. Getting a little uh, close to bedtime. Yeah, it might have been past bedtime for oh, both man. of them. So, you know, we gotta, we got to take that into consideration. But who did you like? Maybe who didn't you like with the call of the weekend games? 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Great weekend coming up, uh, or great night coming up, I should say. I'm, I'm already looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> Tonight, uh, some good college basketball. Kansas is at Kansas State. Two teams that have combined on the season for just three losses and, of course, an in-state rivalry game. This is like a Purdue-IU type of atmosphere. And so Manhattan will be rocking as Kansas State welcomes Kansas. Also, you've got Texas at Iowa State. And, boy, what a job T.J. Otzelberger has done at Iowa State as Texas comes calling. And then you got a Big Ten game that I think is going to be intriguing. Penn State going on the road to Wisconsin with Wisconsin coming off the loss uh, to IU. And, of course, uh, uh, Penn State, uh, the Nittany Lions under Micah Shrewsbury. I think it'll be entertaining tonight. I'm looking forward to watching that. I don't know about you. Yeah. I mean, I thought. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I'll watch whatever's on. Whatever's I, on. I, I mean, if it's a game and it's Nick's on TV. Not, Nick's no. not playing tonight. Might nope. as well watch some college. Hoops. You got it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when do the Knicks play again? Uh, either tomorrow or, the, or uh, Thursday. They played last night, mm-hmm. and what happened? Uh, we lost. I know. But it was, I a, just it was the back-to-back of a doubleheader. Uh, oh, excuses. I just wanted to make sure you... Plus travel. 
You got that out, that it was a loss for the Knicks last night. Yeah. Well, big, tough week ahead for the Pacers. Man, they've got that West Coast swing where they go to OKC, who's been playing terrific of late. Then they go to Denver. Then you go to the Phoenix Suns. Now, you know, Phoenix has been struggling a bit, but you figure they'll break out. You know, Phoenix just got smoked by the Memphis Grizzlies. You see Charles Barkley talk about the Suns? He said they're just completely falling apart, in his opinion. Really? Yeah, he says he thinks they don't like each other. Ah, see, you know, that cohesiveness, that chemistry in the locker room, very important. A lot of times, you know, and and even this is true in high school, sometimes we see it in college, where you see a group of players that has immense talent, and for some reason, they're just not winning. And it almost always comes down to that right there. There's no chemistry. Uh, We'll uh, take a break, and we'll come back. We'll put the wraps on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush. Coming up next on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Maria Marcasano, head women's basketball coach at Purdue Fort Wayne, and you're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Back final time on The Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump, Adam Lundy. Fun show today. A lot of things to cover, a lot of college basketball. And, of course, that's going to continue tonight because coming up right after us, uh, in fact, what, like five minutes away, we've got the Mastodon's Coaches Show presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage. That comes to you live from the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Hope you stop and see us tonight. If you can't make it, you can always tune in. We've got men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano, and more live tonight at the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne, right across from the Memorial Coliseum. Then uh, we wrap up at 7. At 7.05, you've got the Matt Painter Show. And, of course, uh, Coach Painter will talk, I'm sure, about the big win over Michigan State yesterday and Zach Eady, uh, Fletcher Lawyer, stepping up big time, and the huge three-point shot by Caleb First. I thought that might have been the most important shot of the game. Uh, Matt Painter comes uh, up at 7.05. And then IU fans, be tuned in tonight at 8.05 for Inside Indiana Basketball with Coach Mike Woodson, hosted by our buddy Don Fisher. And that is 8.05 to 9 o'clock right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Big thanks to our guests guests Dylan Sin and Kent Sterling back tomorrow hump day edition of the sports rush and we'll have John Nolan filling in I'll be traveling tomorrow night so John Nolan will be in my chair tomorrow tune in from four to six with another edition of the sports rush on 1380 the fan and 100.9 FM and through the wind from all the beach, they hear-